What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, gig economy news and interviews, sponsored by Para and ParaWorks. I'm your host, SJ. It's time to get it on. Welcome back to the second part of a three-part series on the driver's right movement. Um, we, I think, by the, I, I, I wanted to, I want to thank all you guys for being here again. And before I introduce you, I wanted to say that I had a couple people tell me that actually, I know we were a little rushed that week, but they felt like that it was a good piece, like it was a whistle wetter. Like they were like, okay, I want to know more, and it ended. So I think it was like that perfect length piece because it really got them. Um, just wanting to go, okay, these guys are going to go on about all this. And then we cut it. So it was like a, almost like a Tarantino movie, if you can do that relationship or something. <laughs> yeah, a, um, but so I'm looking forward to this, to actually going through some of this tonight a little more and uh, not having anything after this so that we can make sure we get through it properly. Uh, I want to welcome uh, Nick Kassoff, um, tax practitioner and soon to be mayor of Ferguson, Missouri. That's where we're working um, on. That's right. Well, I mean, that's how we have to say it. You know, yes, if we sir. support you. We got to say it that way so that it happens. Yes. You know, you, what is it? The, I don't, I actually disbelieve everything about this movie, but the secret or whatever it was, you know, just think it and it'll happen. <laughs> you know, I want a car. Okay. And then there'll be a car in the driveway tomorrow. <laughs> that kind of stuff. That'd be a neat trick. Yeah. Um, I want to welcome Michelle Sleet. Michelle is uh, runs two of the Facebook groups and is a gig worker in the St. Louis market. And uh, we've done a few projects now together or roundtables and stuff. So, Michelle, how are you? Yes, uh, all all is well. We're in the good time of the year. I love this time of year. People are feeling generous. Uh, yeah, orders are up and uh, people are tips are tips are good. Uh, my new I think we lost you. I lost you, Michelle. Uh, yeah. Let me try to dial back in. Unclick the mute button, Michelle. No, it's not mute. I think it's. I think the audio is off. I now see why you're clicking your mute. I know what's going on with you, David. And luckily, I can edit this piece a little bit around. So, because I can't hit it, there's not a pause, but um, do you have echo cancellation on on your StreamYard? Because I, last night when I was hearing that popping, I think it was from feedback from your computer, maybe. I do. I do have echo cancellation on. Hmm. Michelle? Uh, I think maybe a hard dial back in, Michelle. Like yeah, I was going to say, if you could exit and just come right back in. It's good to happen now, not... Well, and this, you know, and normally with me, it's a live stream. So 
I mean, yeah. I can go in and I don't mind cutting it, you know. You know me. I you know that that used to be my policy. I won't cut anything. And with the audio podcast, I still don't. Nothing gets cut. Yeah. But with the videos, sometimes you got to because you'll lose people. <laughs> Especially if like it's not alive and they're like, "What are you guys doing?" <laughs> um, what was that movie again? I forgotten about. I'd forgotten about that one. <laughs> what did I just say? You mentioned a movie where you just wish and it comes true. Oh, no. And it was a book, too. Remember The Secret? That you don't remember a, this? Yes, I do remember The Secret. Yes. I mean, yeah. I don't trust me. I don't believe in it. Yeah. I, I was about to say, I was going to crack I believe. I believe in being positive. I believe in positive energy. I do believe that helps everything, but I don't believe that. It's if, not if, if, I don't believe that if I want uh, um, to own Wolf Creek Mountain, that I can just manifest that. I, I want to manifest. I want to manifest uh, one thing: transparency. Transparency. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna well, say. but see now, watch no, now. Transparency is going to happen, and you're going to think the secret works. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Michelle, I think we <laughs> doesn't like you. Michelle, testing one two. Test one two three. There you go. Better. Good. Yeah, way yes. way better. And th- and that's the thing. I don't know if you guys have heard it, but sometimes Michelle's uh, mic gets a little poppy. It's like, but this time right now, it's like crystal clear. So, Excellent. There we go. So go as I was saying, not, yes, I do all the gigs. And uh, this week I got off. It happened very quickly off the waiting list and onto Spark. Wait, can I, can you, can I just do one thing? I'm going to clap twice really loud. or I'm just, It's just for me to see a spike in the audio and then just jump right back into where we were when you cut out. Okay. Sure. And so I'm on Spark, and while I haven't done any yet, I saw the incentives, and I'm incentivized to get out there and do it because I'll make $265 after I complete 20, 20 trips, and they're plentiful in my market. So I'm I was going to say, I see, uh, I see a lot. I, I, you probably know Brian, gig-wise. Yes. Um, I see him streaming almost as much as Mr. Flex. He streams all the time, and he only does Spark, I believe, now. Um, he used to do DoorDash and stuff, but he only, I, I think, I feel like a lot of people do. I know people do spark everywhere. People are all over spark, but I feel well, like people in, in your market do a lot of spark. Well, the reason why I like it and David will appreciate this. If David doesn't know, he probably does that. You get to see everything. You get to see the, the payout, the tip. Uh, and you know me, I like to know where I'm going. I get to see the address, the first and last name and, mm-hmm. and the items, everything that we're taking. Yeah. So I've been I getting like, the two hundred dollar bonuses they've been sending for me for the Bay Area. Oh, yeah. You know, I got to tell you guys this. Uh, I, I think I said it before about loving Curry, but uh, I got to mention it that Curry's been that way since I started working for him. <laughs> they yeah. show you everything, everything. Do you, do you need a truck to work for Curry? Um, you don't need a truck. A pickup, an SUV, or like a van helps because uh, just because of looks like they don't want you arriving on on site or they'd rather arrive on site with those but there's a 80 percent of what i do is sherman williams paint transportation and um most of it could fit into an average mid-sized car and he's banking the big bucks nick and 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 so yes i do know many people that i've helped on board too and even skipping in front of the line a bit in their market because there is some waiting lists in some markets but um with just cars and they're working. 
because Curry, unlike Rody, Rody tries and some others try, Freight tries, but um, Curry will not send orders to you that will not fit in your car. You won't get to locations and it doesn't fit. Hmm. So like yeah. Rody, you know, like you have a van, don't you? I've got a van and I, and Rody, I, I mean, I've only done a handful of roadies, but they um, don't pay that good. And they're just, they don't pay that a good. Sloppy system. And, and, and the thing about Rody is they're really picky. Like there's, it, Airport luggage was big with roadie for a while, yeah. but you had to have so many roadie gigs that you had completed on other things. So you had to take a certain number of, you know, they were doing uh, what was a Home Depot and uh, pet food from one of the farm supplies. And yeah, you had to have so many of those under your belt before they'd let you get luggage from the airport. So I don't know. I want to I want to tell you guys about something. So, b- speaking of luggage, um, Hannibal is hungry. I'm going to give him a a plug here because Hannibal is hungry, and I do once a month we do a show called Beyond the Algorithm. We look for a gig, something that people aren't doing. Curry, dumpling. We go to websites that don't have apps, and we talk about how to work for medical couriers and things like this. Just odd jobs, dog walking, like is a big part of his stuff. But we did one on we did one on luggage and holiday work, and I got to tell you that um, we made a video and we looked up some stuff about how you can uh, do the luggage thing on your own, making about eighty bucks an hour just by going up to the airport because they don't have enough people to do it. So your roadie subcontracting out to you, you can skip that step and just go do it yourself through a couple websites. Hmm. Well, that's and, and make three times as much as you make doing it on roadie. Well, the roadie pay stinks. And also I think our airport might've just dumped roadie because the last right. couple of times I loaded it up, there was nothing. Yeah. I would, uh, Hannibal, if you've never checked out his channel, Hannibal is hungry. I won't plug it anymore, but, uh, and then find a show called beyond the algorithm. It's always him and I, and I, and if you just look one of them, you might've said luggage or, and if not, he's got a couple short videos on luggage that he pulled from that video. So he's talking about the exact same thing. And we always show people how to get to the websites. Like there was one that was for Airbnb owners oh. who, if you, but if you don't want to use your house as the Airbnb anymore, and if you lived in the right market, they could help you as a, um, as a, as a rental dog park. So that people are using your property, but nobody's in the house. So now you can like, either use it yourself, take it off Airbnb, um, leave it on Airbnb as long as you say that there's a, a dog park in the day behind it. But people people with like an acre and a half in certain markets, and no, I'm not talking about like highest paid San Francisco or, or LA or New York or anything, but just even a little, just property pretty much anywhere near a city was getting some people two to $2,500 a month. Um, and that was just, it's just like a, it's a dog app, but again, it's not an app, so you won't find it. It's a website. So when we go digging, we go to digging for these websites and see what kind of weird work we can find. <laughs> because I mean, one day they'll all be on apps, but right now, um, even this, the, some of the stuff we find is even hard to find on TaskRabbit and those kind of yeah. things. They're just, you got to go Sounds find like I have stuff. to go listen to this and bring a bunch of it on Paraworks is what I'm writing down. So. <laughs> hey, you know what? I forgot I didn't tell you, but I told Chan today. So we only do one a month. 
yeah. next Tuesday and it's live next Tuesday. And, and in a lot of them, the CEO has joined us for the last 20 minutes. Joel from Dumpling. Um, I got, I got Matt from um, Curry joined us. And so we might be having you because next week is pair works. Oh, Cool. <laughs> I'm a one. I would love to plug it. But more importantly, I'm just like, hey, who's this luggage delivery that will pay three times cutting out the middleman, and how can I get that for the users? Right. <laughs> like, that's right. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Well. Oh. Yeah. For that, David, just I'm go, like, hey, just go, go look on Hannibal's channel. Tell me, tell me what those websites are. I'll go. I'll go well, go to that. yeah. Just go watch any of the. I'll send them to you. Yeah. Because we've only we've done like I think we've done five. But I mean, it's interesting stuff. The medical career stuff pays amazing if you're willing to do it. Yeah. You know, and it's not, you're not, obviously they're not entrusting like, you got to be a good gig worker, but they're not entrusting even a good gig worker with like hearts or anything like real. You're just transporting like tissue and things like that, that um, if you're comfortable with it, you can make a lot of yeah. money, um, a lot of money. Um, but have we even talked about the driver's rights movement yet? <laughs> uh, and welcome, David, um, CEO of Parrot, David Pickerell, um, who now I'm going to pick on a little bit. And we're going <laughs> to, uh, I know we talked about it last time, but we kind of just got through this a little bit. Can you give us just a quick uh, crash course on the four basic principles of a yeah, better exactly. gig system for, yeah. Yeah. So basically uh, outside of Para, Para is a part of what we're calling the driver's rights movement, which exists beyond just Para. Uh, trying to basically give a platform for independent contract drivers to advocate for the privileges and rights of what it means to be an independent contractor. Effectively saying, hey, if gig company, companies can't have it both ways, if they're going to categorize drivers as independent contractors, there are certain obligations that need to be fulfilled for that. And I think we believe in just four very basic principles for a more perfect gig system. I'm in charge of my work. I have a say in the system. My time is valuable. I own my data. And I think really our belief there is the idea that sort of like there was this initial promise of gig work and that we basically it's time to make, bring us back to fulfill the promise of what that gig work means. Right. So uh, you know, access and uh, sort of you should have the access to your information. You should have the control and flexibility to do what you want. And platforms should respect and respond to your needs and your preferences. And that's really what we're trying to push for. So I actually, I think, and I know we covered that the last time too, but I, I wanted to talk about um, my time is valuable a little bit more. Um, are you referring to, are you referring to like dash time versus active time? Uh, somewhat, right? So or, I think that's that, what I was going to say. That was my next thing. Or are you talking about like somewhat, like some of that time being yeah. covered or something? So that... I know we're going to touch on this in a bit, but I think more it draws back to a couple different things of what it means to be an independent contractor. My time is valuable is this idea that you should have competition for your time, right? So if you look at sort of the Department of Labor and what they interpret, the sort of Fair Labor Standards Act, uh, there's a whole bunch of things that they interpret in there, but there's a couple of these that I think we've sort of simplified to my time is valuable, right? So one of these is the worker should have an opportunity for profit and loss, right? So this means can the worker earn a profit by performing the job more efficiently or exercising skill? 
I think there's another part here that basically says the amount of initiative uh, or judgment in an open market competition that drives a worker's success and whether the worker as an independent business can organize and operate themselves. But really what we mean by this is the idea that you shouldn't through friction only be able to work on one app. You should actually be multiple options in a seamless way for your time. And sort of beyond just the sort of Department of Labor interpretation, where I really want to go to sort of more on the being pro-driver and why this is good for drivers is the only way in a sort of algorithm-powered marketplace to push back and get better pricing and better sort of a, a better situation for drivers is essentially by drivers being able to say no. And I think uh, a lot of the time what people have interpreted this as is, oh, there should be a strike or, oh, people should reject trips under a certain dollar amount. I'm for those. I understand why people want to do those. But I also think that it's it's silly to assume or hard to assume that everyone will give up what's in their short-term interest. But let's be real. A lot of people just need to put food on the table and make it learn it, living, right? So if you think about it, the most realistic way to get people to say no to bad trips or trips that don't pay well is if there's other alternatives, that competition for time. So to mm-hmm. me, I think why that's so important is not only is it that key part of what it means to be an independent contractor, I also think that that is what allows us to pressure the companies to get to a better gig economy. Um, do either of you guys want to weigh in on any of this so far? Or? I have one one comment um, about your on the subject of your time being valuable, and it's going in a different direction than David did. Mm-hmm. One of the things that has really frustrated me is that when things go wrong on a gig, you have to invest an enormous amount of time in getting compensation that you believe you're entitled to or in setting the situation right. So you you go to a restaurant, pick up some food, and you pull out of the restaurant and the person texts you a different address. Mm-hmm. And it's 12 miles further away. Well, so now you've got to pull over to – you can either drive the extra 12 miles and eat the loss or you can – you can cancel the order and jeopardize your future status on the app, or you can get on a support line and hope and pray that you get somebody competent and that it doesn't take 40 minutes to get through and that they actually authorize you some extra pay, which they may or may not. Meanwhile, you've taken 45 minutes of your time away from paying work and when you're in the world of W-2 work, uncompensated labor is illegal. A mm-hmm. company that tells you to work off the clock will have huge legal problems. But in the gig world, they essentially force you to work off the clock and they do it with impunity. So that's when you say my time has value, that's the thing that's popping into my head. And that's that's a policy issue and and something that needs to be improved. I think if a gig company had excellent customer service for, or excuse me, excellent contractor service, the people that we're contacting, that company would be flooded with good workers because 
we all have the experience of contacting somebody who doesn't understand the question, doesn't have the solution, really doesn't care, and it costs us money. Well, I can tell you, and, and you know as well, that there's a wide difference in quality between, say, DoorDash versus Amazon Flex, for example. Um, you know, I, my experience with Amazon Flex support is that it's very good. It's very responsive. And, uh, you know, you get through almost instantly and they take care of you. My experience with DoorDash is it can be a half hour waiting in the queue and then it's a crapshoot whether you get anything helpful out of them. So, you know, it uh, makes I'm only cool. laughing because we have a, a David knows him, too. We have a friend and uh, both you guys, all of us, you guys might know him as well. Zach drives fast. Um, Zach, Zach has a rule about when he calls on DoorDash. If he hears a goat, he just hangs up. <laughs> now, see, if I don't, <laughs> if I don't hear a goat, I assume I dialed the wrong number. Right, or you're actually going to get some help that's helpful. Usually, like, I, I I hear the rooster. And the rooster, yeah, or the rooster. Yes, yeah, he's rooster. had a bunch of them. He's like, you know, there I just I have a lot of triggers up. that I'm like, nope. There's some there's some really <laughs> cute memes out there too. With a you know a, a console with a guy with a rooster on his head and you know yeah. there's this. I mean, it is horrible. I I got to tell you guys, I had a horrible experience with one of these, and I'm not going to say even what happened. I'm just going to be very nice. Instacart, um, <laughs> <laughs> where uh, when I was talking to the person, um, and I don't know where they were from. I have no idea. Um, I mean, I could probably make some guesses, but uh, they, when we were talking about, when we were verifying myself before talking and I said I was from Colorado, um, she, she said, um, she, she said that they didn't have the country of Colorado. Oh. And I knew we had bigger problems than my issue. Yes. That, that's when you hang up and hit redial. <laughs> I know, but if, like you said, if you've been in the queue, if you've, right. now what? Because even that person usually is very, they really, they're not going to get you to somebody higher. Even if they put you on hold, it's just going to leave you on hold. I mean, if you do get somebody, it's, you're just getting lucky because. Yeah. Right. And, and so that, and getting back to the original point of your time having value as a contractor, you know, when I work in contract arrangements where I'm fully in charge, you know, freelancing mm -hmm. in IT or tax work, people don't get to waste my time for free. I had a client who uh, who, who is out of business now, but he, he used to drag me into all sorts of things that weren't particularly germane to the sort of work I was doing for him, but I was just the best person for the job. And I think at first he thought if it wasn't IT work, he was getting a freebie. And I, you know, I said, look, I'll empty your waste baskets if you want to, but the hourly rates the same. And with, with DoorDash or, or any of these, these gig apps really, uh, when you once you get outside the ordinary workflow, the hourly rate is zero. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it really goes back to like that you can't have it both ways, right? It's basically like 
We won't tell you what exactly the full terms of the trip are, but if the terms of the trip are changed, you're obligated to fulfill it. And in order to fulfill it, we're going to make you wait without paying you by going through customer support, which we don't really invest in and provide a bad experience for. And, and we're not going to show you the information you need to make an informed decision on taking this order the to begin points, with. Right? Exactly. In the very first step. Well, that's why you also have to make your own rules. I... I get I let so many offers go past me because I don't like the restaurants. They don't acknowledge me. They don't prepare the food. I have my merchants, and rarely have I ever had a problem because the food is ready. Uh, if something happens, they remake. You know, they know me. Uh, they know I'm doing business with them, and it's a real education. I also uh, we had a big thing today. Uh, it was number one. And our door and our, and I, you know, I kind of go through the queue and I like, what's going to be the post today? Uh, I wish I could show it to you. Maybe Steve could even post, I could send the picture. It was, it looked like the walk up steps to a trailer park and there was a huge step missing. There was, you could die, you could fall through the steps. And, but yet, and so it was real rundown. So let's just say it's some rundown, sketchy trailer park. And the driver said, this is what I had to do. And there wasn't even a tip. I think you, mm. you posted on that post, Nick, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And- um, Michelle, you can, you can uh, share your, you can share. Um, if you do share screen, you can pick an open window. Like, so if you open up the image, you, you'll see the, the, your image window. Yeah. yeah but you'd have to find it. Though. Okay. Don't even look. <laughs> Yeah, but but you know, but, you know I, and that person was a dummy because they took a no tip order. But exactly. But but what you can't blame you can't blame the merchant, and you really can't even blame DoorDash when you have a customer who knows they're outside the delivery area, so they put in their old address and then message you after you've accepted the order. That's right. that's really not. It's not the merchant's fault. It's kind of not DoorDash's fault either or whoever. Well, but, but the problem is that we don't have a reasonably efficient way of dealing with those situations. I, I would like to propose something that I think is very easy. It's the same kind of thing we've talked about with driver tips, which obviously they just don't want to do. You know, like how hard would it be to just show it? Okay, well, so if how hard would it be for them to uh sorry my mic's popping on me get a little feedback here <laughs> this happened last night too guys bear with me for one minute Hello. Okay. Um, so, how hard would it be for them to make sh- have a flow screen for when you're you're going just at that last screen? Just say, you know, hey, um, 
kind of the same thing as when you click that box for same as uh, billing address. So yeah, you have your default home address in, but why can't the last screen be, this is where it's going, correct? Uh, you're assuming that people are doing this by accident, and I don't think that's necessarily true. Well, this is, my, this is my point, though. This, is, this, is, this makes it more efficient to get hot food, everything. I mean, if the, if the goal is for the, the analytics to not only abuse workers, but also to get food as quickly as possible to the locations, the last thing they need is people changing addresses and sending food to somewhere that's going to be cold by the time it gets there. And the restaurant doesn't want itself represented that way. Um, I don't know. I, I, how hard is it to just say? And and why? I guess my question is: Why would even as a user, why would I care? Because if I care, it just means I am truly scamming the system on purpose, and I'm now mad that I can't scam. But I think sort of beyond that, it's the the fact that the platforms would be able to solve situations like that if they wanted to, right? There's a system that shows, hey, how is the driver doing on the trips that they're doing? There's sort of a one-two X-strike policy, et cetera. Uh, you start to see Airbnb do this, right? Airbnb said it will look and do some checks on some users. But to be honest, it wouldn't be hard for DoorDash to roll something out that says, okay, now that Nick's flagged that, you're going to fall through you know, that you're going to fall through a stair when you're delivering. I sent you the should, picture, by the way. Yeah, like you shouldn't be able to do that or you shouldn't be able to order from there again, etc. Right? Obviously, it's not quite that simple of a system, but I've seen that here, right? I know I've brought this up on a couple different podcasts, but there's sort of like four seasons that's undeliverable in San Francisco that nobody can deliver right. to that never lets you up. They see that in the data. They know that that's in the data. It's just the companies are optimizing for, we want as many orders as possible. And it's that trade-off, right? Do I want to potentially turn off order, which is money, or what is the trade-off to that versus which would some drivers do it anyways, right? And I think that's really how I view a lot of the problems is the focus of the companies, right? It's sort of the grow the top line from the user at all costs above any investment into sort of a, you know, sort of the driver experience, right? Or sort of being able to solve some of these problems. Because that's pretty real. Like if they wanted to, they could solve that problem very quickly. Very quickly. That's my point. And again, it's usually that it's not very quickly because it's, and I'm not saying they're doing it to be mean. They're doing it for their own economic reasons. But the the reason with drivers is very obvious. It's pay It's pay related. But with this, I don't even think you'd be hurting your customer base because you would only be eliminating scammers. Oh, well, they they have implemented something and, and our and our folks have gone. Uh, they don't like it. Um, actually, after you uh, tell DoorDash maybe twice, you do something like that. You change addresses or you uh, say you didn't get your food but you probably really did. And they identify mm -hmm. you as a trickster. They're now having drivers sign. You have to sign their phones and the drivers despise this practice. Of uh, course. Off, the drivers don't want to have an interaction and they don't want people touching their phones. I was just going to say that. I mean, like how many times have, and I don't even do as much delivery probably as any of you, except for maybe David. And that's because both he and I barely do any, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, like I, I do work all the other apps, my other apps a lot, but um, even at the restaurants showing up, how many times have you had somebody at the restaurant just 
and I've worked restaurants, so I get this. I didn't work during these kind of times, but they'll just grab your phone. Let me look at it. They don't really ask permission and they're not being aggressive and like throwing you to the floor. They're just kind of like, I can't see it. And they grab it and they're like, um, and you're like, dude, <laughs> you know, like, don't, don't just grab my stuff, man. You know, but at the same time, it's like, if you start showing somebody something that's kind of like a, it's kind of a reaction, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, people don't want to see that people don't want to be, have I mean, I question not just because of its safety, but I question why people do the liquor delivery things. It's the same thing. You gotta go in and yeah. see an ID. You've gotta be, you've gotta have them touch. I think sign on your phone. Yes, well, um, they're not doing that. The last four or five that I did, I just did one the other night, buying wine from a restaurant, and I I request that the that the uh, customer hold their address out. And, you know, DoorDash is asking me some questions. Do they look like they're intoxicated and things of that nature? I'm making my best guess. They're at their own home. I don't think they're going out driving, but they're putting me in that position. And then just scan the front of their license. And then they come back, check verified, no signature required. Yeah, Instacart also, you scan the barcode on the back of the license, it auto-populates a form, yeah. and they never touch your phone. Oh, okay. I thought that I saw something that, I know Drizzly was bought out by Uber, but they're going to start franchising that out a bit. And I thought any platforms using Drizzly were moving to a, you had to check their ID, and then yes. you had to have them sign a phone. Well, that was on, that was a big post I had today. Because somebody said they they felt like they got a contact high when they touched someone's license plate. She it was my number one post. She said she got back in the car a half an hour later. Everything started kind of going wiggly on her and all that. And she thought that that they maybe cut some drug with the driver's license. And she just said, "I want you to be aware it could happen." And uh, you know, about a hundred people weighed in on that comment, but. Uh, Drizzly, you're right. I do do Uber and uh, people agree with me. Um, I'm not going to say I've done this, but a lot of people said they go ahead and do the signing themselves. It's just yeah. a scribble. And cause they don't want by touching their phone. And, and I agree, but I wouldn't say that in a Facebook group. No, right. <laughs> save, that, save that for Reddit. <laughs> I, I mean, unless you've got a fake name on your Facebook profile, but you know, with, 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 uh, with the way they do it with Instacart, you can have the customer hold their license and you can just kind of, you know, yeah. they're holding the license and you just move the phone up to the appropriate distance and yes. it goes bleep. And it's I done. think the, I think the reason why I've seen some of the articles that I have um, is because they're having a big problem because every state, like, okay, let's talk about our states. Uh, David's in California. Michelle's in Missouri. Um, you're in Missouri. I'm in Colorado. We all have different liquor laws. Mm -hmm. We all have different classes that you need to take to be able to handle liquor, including package liquor. So even at a, even at a liquor store where you're not making drinks, whatever, you're just ringing it up. You still have to take, like here it's called tips. It's called a tips class. And it doesn't mean how to handle tips. It means how to watch in like for the bar, you have to take more classes because you have to take how to watch for people getting drunk and what are the signs and, and how to, and then there's like strategies on how to get them out of the location safely 
try and when get them. I was them. delivering in Seattle, right? Uh, I had to take to deliver alcohol. I had to take a tips class there, and it took like yes. three hours or something like that. I remember. Yeah, because they want to talk to you about understanding. I mean, I know some people, like when I was working in the bar, the younger people come in and they're just like, I don't care. And you can see them. They have to show up on a Saturday to do this thing. They just, they come in hungover. They just don't care. But nonetheless, you have to listen to this person for six hours and it does, it does weigh in. They make it fun. But, um, but you do learn something. You, I mean, we don't learn anything from, the non videos. And I have heard of a few videos being out there though. I can't remember. I think it was dash theory. was telling me this, that there are some videos and it was one of the platforms and that would go to the same thing about like there being rain videos. Why can there be rain videos, but not training tutorial, like not even hard ones, but just super short training tutorials mm-hmm. where until you did watched three videos, you know, for two minutes each, you couldn't work on the app. Cause if you can't spend six minutes watching those videos, you shouldn't be able to work on the app. You don't. You, you don't nearly have enough of a commitment to this if you don't have six minutes first. Um, but I don't know. You know. I mean, I know back in the day, and we've talked about this before, is that you know they just didn't want to be any part of training. But I think that now, if you're going to deal with liquor, if you're going to deal with underage minors, and if you're going to deal with people being raped, those are three things at least that need to be covered. Um, yeah. You know, I because where I go with a lot of this is sort of a. You can say, hey, the platform should flag some of this. The platform should be better. But the simplest solution is for me to be able to say, I just don't want ever I don't ever want to go back to that person with the weird stuff on their ID. I don't want to go back to that place where I'll fall through the stair. Right. That's sort of the simplest solution. And I think sort of bring that back to sort of that IC law stuff, right? This idea of sort of like the rights to control your work, right? And the fact that the platforms can't shouldn't be able to exert that right to control the work that you do. And to me, that's just the simplest way is like, just give the power to the individual and say, I, I ain't ever going back there. Right. It, mm-hmm. You know, that's the easiest way. Well, and the funny thing is they already give that power to the restaurants. If mm-hmm. you go in and mouth off to the hostess and they don't want to ever see you again, they click on your name and you'll never get an offer from them again. Yeah. And it's sort of crazy. Why can't you do that to the restaurant? Right. If you show up and they, uh, if they mouth off to you, I don't want to go back to that Taco Bell. To the restaurant, right? To the restaurant and also to the customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you you get you get a customer who tip baits. Okay, that's the last time you'll see me, brother. Because they don't trust the drivers to do that properly. But if it's only affecting my workflow, it doesn't matter, right? Right, but then they don't know how much the workflow is that can go to that Taco Bell. Because what if nobody wants to go to the Taco Bell? Well, they the all say no, 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 pay more at a price. Yeah. People lose but if pay. it's but if it's for reasons of being if the reasons like what if it's a really clean one, it services fairly promptly. It's just super busy. People don't want to go. You would start getting people like that going. I, I had a problem here. But, but, if all the, but if clicking on that button does nothing other than cut off future offers from that restaurant to me, then who can, then that's my right. I agree. I also agree that why, when you know the full pay, are you saying, well, only show them this, and then on the tips, only show them this, and then whatever's left, we'll give them at the end after they do the job. Well, you know, DoorDash <laughs> has changed their their order offers now they're not even showing us uh item really showing us items anymore yeah 
they're giving us less and less information to try to deduce what might be at the end. I was wondering if any of you got, did any of you guys see this article about, I mean, I think it's been out for a couple of days now about the city of Chicago. No. So um, Uber Eats, uh, the settlement finally went through for a lawsuit that's been going on for a while. Uber has agreed to a $10 million settlement with the city of Chicago for listing local restaurants in the Uber Eats and Postmates app without restaurants consent, um, as well as uh, charging excessive commission fees. So we've heard about this. And like I've heard about Washington, D.C., somebody having like a kitchen in their house and serving like Tortina's pizzas after midnight to drunks like totinos like, like frozen. yeah they go buy them at the store for a dollar and then they oh and then they sell them for TikTok. five the guy went super viral i saw this yeah, yeah and then they sell them for five out of their apartment unbelievable i mean uh, uh dash theory we were on we were doing a round table a couple weeks back and he said he had his first kind of what platform was it? it was a food delivery and it wasn't grub up it was uber eats or it was doordash but he's in uh phoenix arizona and he had his first where he picked up was um, an apartment building. Like he had to go up to an apartment and they're like, yeah, here's the food. We get some people that, that find that to be very strange. And then others come on and they ream them. Why don't you, why they should have the ability to earn money if they want to, they support it. Oh my God. You being in that industry forever. That is the, that is the most hideous thing I've ever heard. As much yeah. as I hate regulations and things like that, there, there's a whole cleanliness, um, sanitary, all kinds of things that restaurants have to go through. So, I mean, should people be able to make PB&Js while they're smoking weed? No. Or have <laughs> their, cat, their cat walk around the sink. And I know. Yeah. You know, or they or they have they have turtles and 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 snakes and they have mouth. They, you know, they're into reptiles. And so they've got salmonella all over the counters. Uh, okay. I mean, you could probably charge extra for those PB&J weed sandwiches. <laughs> you know, that could be a whole new. It, I think I'd, I think I'd target more addictive. <laughs> they get you hooked. Bad example there. But uh, yeah, um, I mean, I honestly from after working gigs for a while, it, it makes me really hesitant to order delivery anyway, just because of what you see when you're out and about. But Right. But I mean, like this settlement makes sense to me, but it's like, gosh, they went after that many. I mean, this isn't one business. This is so many rest. This is all the restaurants in Chicago that told Uber Eats. No, they put them on anyway. They said, well, forget it. And we're going to, and we're going to charge. Right, we've seen quite a lot of this is the restaurants being upcharged, the end consumer being mispriced because the restaurant prices are higher on the platforms. I think to some extent it's you know good when I see that. I think Pennsylvania did something else too. But what's been missing from a lot of this, the last sort of the state investigated somebody, there's a settlement with DC for when DoorDash was actually skimming the tips, not just hiding the tips, mm -hmm. right? So it's been a while since we've seen a state go on the driver's side of things. So while it makes me happy to see that some of this is going with market fairness, uh, I think that's part of the reason we're trying to push with the drivers, right, is the restaurant lobby is powerful. They have political power. They can push for these sort of investigations and put things in front of attorneys general, etc. I think that's to some extent is 
attorneys general should, you know, when they talk about consumer protection, uh, you know, the driver is technically also supposedly the consumer of these apps per their stance there. So I think really hope to see the states do more from that perspective. Yeah, see, I, I don't know about Uber Eats, but a few years back before they got bought out, I was doing Postmates for a little while. And and that happened to me. I took an order from Postmates when it, and it was one of the ones where, you know, you had to use the red card, except I think it was a black card for Postmates. And I went in there and uh and started to put in the order. And when she saw that I was using the Postmates debit card, she said, nope, get on out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, they sure did do that. It, it was uh, O.B. Clark's down on uh, Brentwood I re- Boulevard. I remember you telling me that. That's uh, yes. And, and thank you, because I never went in there and embarrassed myself. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what they were doing. They were just, they were, uh, you know, they, they go into a restaurant, snap a picture of a menu and put it online with a 30% markup or whatever. And from, from Postmates view, I think they were like, well, we're the customer, the, the customer of the restaurant and we're reselling the product. Yep. Um, but then I remember seeing, uh, I remember seeing then the same platforms complaining about, apps that would scrape prices from DoorDash, right? So there's a couple of these apps for consumers that would scrape the prices from DoorDash and compare. I remember sort of the platforms made a huge outcry, but like, how dare you scrape our menus and our prices? That was just the biggest irony of all time is like, y'all did that to the restaurant whose menu it actually is. Yeah. Right. Well, um, but at the same time, I don't know if you know, I don't, David, you must know this, that I don't know if you know, but when, Forget this way. Forget this bootlegging real restaurants in Chicago. But when you do, when you make an agreement and say, yes, DoorDash, I will work with you and you're a restaurant, they actually, so we know they charge the consumer. They charge the consumer a lot of fees, everything to get the food delivered. But do you know that they're, that they give the restaurants the option to pay or they can, or they suggest that they, that they use a price increment on their, on their menu items. I found that out just recently and I was I was blown away because I was like, I hear a lot of restaurants complain that, hey, why is this more when they order it through the app? But I've now found out that the legit restaurants who get who really, you know, the good managers who work with DoorDash and stuff realize they're a big portion of their business. They are making a decision of do I want to just pay some fees and whatever this looks like or do I want to like they have a, a a strategy worked out for you increase all your items by 2% and that will cover all the transactions interesting you know and to me i'm like i'm like that's you know it's just so horrible because that should not be happening it it should all be going to the consumer the restaurants i mean i've ran a bar and restaurant it's hard to keep food cost where it needs to be it's hard to make money on food it is. I mean, maybe not a food truck these days, a little more luck there, but it's tough to run a restaurant. And if you're having to up your prices because it's being delivered, I mean, if there's already a delivery fee being charged to you. Well, yeah, but that delivery fee is not enough to cover the costs. Well, we know what to do then. Raise it. You know, and I know nobody wants to. I mean, I know we all are just going to say, well, they're not going to do that. But 
That's well, that, you, you know what this, you know what it's like though. You, are you familiar with what when they do a TIFF or a TDD when they build a shopping center? Mm-hmm. So, okay, so what they do is, if they're building a new shopping center somewhere, they'll do something that's called a TDD, a transportation development district. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it allows them to borrow money to build the roads and the parking lots and the infrastructure and then pay those bonds back using what looks like a sales tax. It goes on your receipt as part of the sales tax. From the shops in the mall. So so if you go into a Target store in a TDD versus a Target store that's old and not in a TDD, the price sticker on the shelf is going to be the same, but when you go in the register through the register, the sales tax will have an extra half percent tagged on there, and that sales tax goes to the TDD to pay off the bonds that the developer used to build the infrastructure for the shopping center. And so you don't think about the fact that it's more expensive to shop at this target than that target because they've hidden it. And they're doing the same thing with this. If they say $10 delivery fee, people will be like, oh, I'm not going to do that. That's outrageous. But if you add 30 cents on to this item and, you know, and with Instacart, somebody's buying 40 or 50 items from the grocery store, they add 10 or 15 cents on to each item. People don't think about it. Well, you know, the bag of carrots is $1.50 in the store and it's $1.65 when I ordered it through Instacart. I don't know if it they it might have been more expensive this week anyway, whatever. People don't realize that they're paying that money, and so they'll go ahead and pay it. That's why they can't put it all in one big fixed fee like that that people can see. I feel like it's okay to mark it up to me as long as it's transparent parent before you buy it yeah but that's what I, that's what i was just thinking david how do you make that happen like a sign <laughs> i mean <laughs> i mean we all know it come on let's be honest like signs aren't really legit that's not legit don't just have a sign up that says hey there's a you know is it i i, I am curious like in the same zip code is it a line item on the on the receipt so if i go to two targets in the same zip code and one is on a tdd will it have a line item for that no, probably not. You'll just have a different sales tax rate. Because sales that, tax that just seems illegal to me. I, I'm I'm just we, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not in, even a tax in metropolitan St. Louis. We have hundreds of these, mm-hmm. and it's not a whole zip code. It's one shopping center that has no. I, I no right. I get it. I get it. I mean, uh, it can be a zip code. You go. I'm from, just wondering because it just seems like. You're not charging the tax. You're charging the tax and a little more that people don't know about. Well, the state law allows them to levy that as a tax. Weird. I I mean, I'm I glad mean, you told me that. I had never heard that in my life. I, I don't know if they have it in Colorado, but I'll bet they do. Oh, it's a state um, by state. Okay. And yeah, it's a state law. But, you know, if you want to talk about lack of transparency, look, my biggest gripe with the gig apps and DoorDash in particular, as a, when the tip hiding is bad for the driver, but the tip hiding is really bad for the customer. And there's where the real lack of transparency is. 
because the customer is putting a larger tip with the hopes of getting better service. And when, when DoorDash hides the tip and doesn't tell the customer that they're doing it, they're depriving the customers of a service that they're paying for, and they're doing so in a way that's non-transparent. That irks me even more than the fact that I look at an offer in DoorDash and I don't really know how much it's going to pay. I, they're they're flat out stealing from the customer. Yeah, I I uh, couldn't agree more. Um, Although on this, there's something quite interesting. I just pulled this up on the other side of my screen here, but basically, uh, the DC Attorney General and the uh, Pennsylvania Attorney General last year shipped. came to an agreement oh. with Uber Eats. Mm-hmm. basically saying that they had to add disclosures to its app if there are price differences between what you would order in the restaurant and what was being charged in the app. So a, check, actually, a checkbox that we already check anyway. Even well, I think I've actually gone to this. I think it's like a pop-up that says, hey, the price difference is there. Okay. But they actually just also had a settlement two weeks ago with Grubhub also saying if the mm-hmm. price is different than what's in the restaurant versus what's in the app. You have to call it out. Now, the settlement was Grubhub was a slap on the wrist. Grubhub had to donate $125,000 or $150,000 to Pennsylvania food banks. Yeah, um, but Grubhub also got it handed to them in New York City. Um, and they're being sued huge for that. I don't know if you saw that this summer when they did everybody gets free food for the one afternoon. They didn't, yeah. they forgot to tell the restaurants. So you can you guys can now imagine what happened. Yeah. Restaurants were closing, people were quitting. Um, you know, they're like, forget this. I mean, the orders were coming in at a hundred times the rate of normal, and it's New York City. And restaurants were shutting down that they hadn't shut down, let's say, even through the pandemic, haven't been shut, haven't locked their doors 24 hours a day in 10 years. And they were because they're like, we can't do these orders. Yeah. And so there's a big lawsuit coming there too. You know, it's like it's like how is that oversight? I mean, how are you Grubhub, who's who's being repped somewhat by Amazon right now, and you didn't catch that you're doing this huge promo for everybody that orders over nine dollars gets a free delivery today, and this is before they were on Amazon. It's yeah. just before it. It was kind of like I think a plug for going to Amazon, and so now it's like, oh, we forgot to sell the restaurants. Really? Because I would think that would be a restaurant participation thing and that you'd be limited in the restaurants you could use. You know, like, hey, do you guys want to participate in this? We'll still pay you all the fees. Because some restaurants, their quality of their food is what matters the most. They'd be like, no, I don't want 100 extra orders tomorrow. Yeah. And I think it really goes back to right is the you have to remember that the marketplace is optimizing for what the market for what is the best outcome for them at mm-hmm. the expense of both the restaurant and the driver most of the time, right? That is what they're optimizing for. And I really think that's when we sort of bring it back to some of the earlier part of this conversation of why you need full transparency and also why you need people to be able to input their preferences, right? So really what I boil down to what needs to be better, it's tra- not just transparency, but it's transparency plus the preference of each party to be able to be taken into account. In this scenario, the restaurant should be able to say, hey, I don't want to be part of this. Hey, I don't want to give away free food, et cetera, et cetera. And I think to get a little wonky here, I think quickly is just like, if you just look at it from sort of like a marketplace efficiency 
essentially what's happening is the platforms are you know, not taking into account the preferences of the other parties on purpose mm-hmm. uh, and basically using that to generate that sort of arbitrage. And I think in a more perfect system, right, you would want the inputs of everybody because once you have the inputs and the preferences of everybody, that's how you price this stuff efficiently. And that's what I found really interesting, right? Steve, you and I have had this conversation, right, where, you know, this is uh, actually it's sort of Sergio from Show Me the Money Club yesterday, right, where he essentially said, hey, the CEO of Uber and the chairman of Lyft said, hey, it's up to us, our job as the marketplace is to price these things efficiently and price these things correctly. But you can't price things correctly if you're missing inputs from both the sides, right? That just doesn't work. Right. What you're then pricing effectively is for the outcome that you are looking for, not what uh, the others want. And I think yeah. that's sort of the core of the ecosystem problem here. If you um, noticed, Sergio jumped right on that with almost like his disbelief in it. Like, we'll see. <laughs> you know, like, you guys aren't going to be able to do this. <laughs> um, so. If people are wondering how this is relating to the driver's rights movement, every piece of what we've talked about, I think, has to, has so far. But I think we're going to move into these other portions now. But if you go, if you're really listening, I think you're hearing what the the overall picture of this of this portion. I think would be look at how these companies operate, not just with us drivers, but listen to what we're saying about how they even talk to businesses. The B two B part. I mean, that's pretty sad. I mean, what we're saying about this would have never flown in any other time in history to just go, listen, you own that restaurant. You worked your everything off for it. Okay, well, we're going to do this to it. No, I don't want to have that. Okay, well, we're just going to do it anyway. We'll just deliver your food. We'll charge the fees. Forget it. I mean, and then you have to go to court over it. I mean, this is ridiculous. So... For all the drivers out there hearing this, realize that the customers get played with how much they pay. They're probably the best out of all of them. And then the drivers just get worked. But these restaurants are are not crushing it. It helps them to have these apps. But some restaurants don't like these apps coming in because they know how much they serve, how many plates they put out in a night. And they don't want to put out anymore. They've got this system down. And most restaurants like to carry the food on hand they need no more. They'll order two to three times a week to only carry what they need. So they don't want to be slammed. And, and, and they've, they've got the, you know, Philadelphia's best Philly cheesesteak. They don't, and they're known for it. They don't want to get slammed by a bunch of Uber orders the first hour they're open that takes away their whole day's um, ingredients. Steve, can I just bring up one thing? Uh, you know, the pizza business is big and it's big here. And all hey, wait. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, a little digital static. It's robot. It's robot. Is yeah, me? robot, Michelle. Oh, no. Honestly? Yeah, um, I think maybe you could dial, jump back off and back on. I think yeah, just go out, out, out in. It only takes a second. Okay, sure. I'll sort of uh, use this to go out. Continue a bit, but I think really where it goes to is like if the platforms are going to say you're not going to be employing drivers and you're not responsible for a lot of these things, and really all they are is the marketplace provider, the ultimate responsibility of the marketplace provider is to create the market 
And to create the market, you need the inputs of both sides, right? And I think that's really, I mean, it's a little wonky to say that, but mm -hmm. it was sort of as if I was a market maker on Wall Street and somebody's buying and selling a stock, but I won't listen to the price that you want to give, basically, right? Or the parameters of the trade you're trying to make. And I think that's really where it is, is the companies can't, you know, shirk all responsibility, but then also not do the core job of what they claim that they're trying to do. Well, I mean, if they're, if they're improperly setting terms and prices, ultimately they'll not have workers or they'll not have customers. The problem is that at least for the time being, uh, they're in the, there's a sucker born every minute and you quit and somebody else comes in. Um, eventually they'll run out of people, but they can make a lot of money in the meantime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, I'm, I guess it just seems very easy to me before we move into these parts. It seems very easy to me to understand that you need two sides to make a, a deal. <laughs> if Uber goes and approaches your business and you say, I don't want you in here. I, I were, I tried working free for a while. This is every dime I have. I've put into this place. I have just enough food to get through the days and I have a perfect clientele. I like my business. And then you find out that they just did it anyway. That's not a deal. And uh, I think that, I, I don't know. I think it just, again, shows the shadiness of these companies. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, these, I mean, the legislation might want to fall there first and write them like $50,000 tickets for any instance, just like a, just like a, a food inspector comes around to restaurants. Have somebody <laughs> go around and check the Uber and DoorDash license. And if they're delivering from that location, and that location doesn't know it, write them a $50,000 fine. My local Vietnamese restaurant that does tremendous business, when a Grubhub comes through, Grubhub says, do not tell the restaurant this is a Grubhub order. Um, no? Not really. No. Are you guys hearing, hearing your... It's the robot voice again. But it's... It's... Yeah, it's really stiff. Maybe I'm hearing it more. It sounds pretty. No, scary. no, it's bad. It's okay. bad. It's not uh, you. I'll be back. Okay. Um, so, well, let's move into this. Let's move into this piece because I think that we need to. We can just kind of pop through these, and then I, I, and we can just kind of pop through the. So this will welcome everybody to the final, <laughs> uh, the third, the third. Uh, uh, segment of the driver rights movement and we yes we are all wearing the same clothes <laughs> that's last time coincidence <laughs> it's completely a coincidence we have very monotonous <laughs> wardrobes we're gig workers we're just we, we only can afford one wardrobe i go i go into walmart i buy 10 identical t-shirts and i have to do laundry every 10 days you're you're triggering me off of that nick because i that's my life as i go to targets and i buy the same 10 black t-shirts yes pretty much the same t-shirts then you don't have to think about it when you open the drawer in the morning you just take the one that's on top yeah test oh, two three yeah, sounds great. Sounds better than last week. Because while you were coming on tonight, we just uh, introduced that this is the third of the driver rights movement. Um, 
and that this will be the final piece. And it's odd that, like us, you are wearing the same thing you were wearing last week. Too. Me? <laughs> well, I have a different shirt on. No, no, I- no. It's because this is two segments. Now it's wrecked, but it's because, <laughs> it's because this is two segments. So we're going to be wearing the same thing in two segments, but okay. Edit that out. <laughs> I will. <laughs> no, keep it in. Keep it in. <laughs> I'll keep it in. <laughs> um, but let's move to, let's, let's cover the, let's cover the manifesto topics. Let's cover the, um, and the 10 independent contractor points. We can roll through those pretty quick. I'm just curious about them, but, Let's just go through one by one on the manifesto. We might have already discussed some of these, so we'll just go through, but see if anything rings a bell with any of us to to want to discuss this. So bullet point one, the right to transparency. I think that we've covered that enough. Mm -hmm. If we haven't, guys, all four of us and every other gig worker we know in this country and world um, wants this. We want to see what we're being paid before we take a job (laughs) in full. No games. Don't have a hula hoop and say, if you jump through this, I'll show you everything. You know, don't nothing. Just I just want to see it and make a decision. Um, the right to make an informed decision. Um, anything to say on this one? Or have we covered this? Yeah. Okay. Right to choose. We've kind of covered that. Um Right to right to opportunity. We've covered that because that by that I think that we're just talking about multi-apping, right, David? Okay, yeah. so we've we've touched on that. That you and and right now you need to be multi-apping. Um, maybe you don't. I mean, maybe you have a, a a unique scenario, like my I do. Like I I primarily work Curry, but I've got you know other active apps, and I I do work a couple of them, and I'm also starting to work Dumpling. So I'm working a couple of odd apps. I'm an off-brand app guy, I think. <laughs> I like working for the uh, soon-to-be giants. Um, <laughs> uh, right to a healthy and safe work environment. Yes. Look at that. So how do we classify that? Because isn't that our car? So I almost view that as right to the consumer that you have a healthy work environment that you are working in. Well, I also consider the surfaces that I travel on when I get there that uh, I'm not going to fall over pine cones and hoses and have a porch light on. Well, that's and that's, you know, (laughs) we all know that's at the that's at the hands of the owner of the property. I mean, if they if they want to leave that kind of stuff off and not have a light on their porch and order food, guess who's going to sue them? I mean, (laughs) That's something that you have a right to and not that you want to, but you will. (laughs) Every morning when I open up and see what's come in overnight, which is 30 or 40, I've got skinned knees, bruised heads, uh, you know, just pictures of look what happened to me every day. I could just do a whole photo journal of injuries that people have phoned in, essentially. It's kind of sad, (laughs) including my, I can hardly bend these three fingers from falling down a landscape design at someone's house in the rain. So I'm going to, uh, whoops, I'm going to, uh, add, I'm going to show the picture that you sent me real quick because this is an extreme, it's pretty bad. This is an extreme (laughs) example of, uh, of what, you know, what, what can happen, what we can see sometimes. Um, Oh, there it is. So this is what Michelle had sent me. I mean, like this is, this is what, I mean, is there a, is there a, 
I would hope to God. I don't know what it would do for you. Because this actually, I don't know if how many of you know, will know this, but this reminds me of the an old Atari video game, Pitfall. <laughs> um, because I don't know if there's a rope above there so you can swing across that opening or what. But um, I don't know if there's a porch light on there, but this looks absolutely sketchy. Well, you need to, and David, I know, likes to read things. You need to read the, um, the guy uh, was Luis. And Luis said... I felt like I should have helped him out because this was a no tipper. And oh my God, my head's exploding. You, this guy's a no tipper. Well, and you risk your life. And uh, my goodness, mm-hmm. I, I could sit here and talk about that for a long time. I mean, if only there was a way of avoiding those no-tip orders, huh? Yeah. If there was a button we could click to make the no-tip order go away. That and, would... and folks, they just... Then if they were going to do that, why wouldn't they just show the transparency? <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about... Now we're talking about adding in more programming to hide the transparency. No, I'm saying if something <laughs> pops for $2.75, <laughs> click on d- decline and go on to the next one. That's yeah. it's 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 not nearly as complicated as people think from the driver's side of things. Now, if you're the customer and you put in a $6 tip and it's coming up as a $3 no tip order and your food's sitting there getting cold, that customer's getting ripped off. But if you're a driver and you click on a $2.75 order and then turn around and complain about it, I really don't have a lot of sympathy for you. Oh, I thought there was a hidden tip. Well, you're stupid. (laughs) You know, it... I'm also curious, like, why has nobody started? Watch, this is going to be the this is going to be the blossom of an idea right here. Why has nobody started a um, like for food shelters and things that goes by McDonald's every two hours and takes the bags that they're about to throw into the trash? Because we all know they do, and they and the apps pay for them. 